Hi, I'm Sophie, and you're listening to Navigating New York, a podcast where I chat with people living and working in one of the most fast-paced cities in the world. Through these conversations, I hope to make living in the Big Apple a little less overwhelming. As the song goes, if you can make it here, you'll make it anywhere. So whether you're living here now, planning to move, or just interested in hearing real stories from people pursuing that American dream, I hope that you enjoy. On this week's episode, I chat to Galway girl Michaela O'Shaughnessy, who has taken New York City by storm since she moved here six years ago. Michaela has navigated her professional journey in New York like no other and is an inspiring example of how we don't necessarily have to follow the path set out for us because of what we did in school or university. Michaela has a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering and a master's in business studies. She started out waitressing in New York before she got her start working in social media for MTV. Michaela then moved on on from MTV to Teen Vogue and then on to Glamour magazine before she was headhunted for her current role as social media lead at Instagram. Michaela truly is a shining light for us here in New York. I'm delighted she gave me the time to come on to the podcast and we could have talked for hours. Make sure you follow her on Instagram for her authentic, refreshing and educational content at Life of a Lady Bear. I could not have asked for a more ideal guest to chat about navigating New York. Michaela, thank you so, so much for being my guest on Navigating New York. It's so good to have you. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Sophie. I'm so excited to be here. have been a huge fan of the pod since you launched it a couple of months ago. And I'm just thrilled. Oh, Michaela, I'm thrilled that you're my guest. You've been on my like top guest list since the very beginning. So I'm just delighted. So I think before we get into your career and how unbelievable you have done for yourself in navigating your journey in New York. I want to take it back to a little bit about your upbringing and and where you're from at home and when you first came to New York. Yeah, so I came to New York. God, I actually was trying to figure this out the other day if it was six years or seven years, but I, I think it might be six. Or maybe seven. So I'll, I'll figure that out in a second. But I'm from um, Galway back home, a, a town called Oren Moor. And I loved Galway, went to college in Galway, just really, you know, enjoyed living in a beautiful place. And I even when I go home now, it's like always such a special time being there and getting to be in the countryside, but also exploring Galway City. And it's just feel like I'm very lucky to be from there. Um, so I moved to New York. Okay, I think it will be seven years this May. Okay. Um, and I moved here kind of straight after I had finished a postgrad in college. And I had spent summers in New York previously, kind of doing the J1 thing of, of you know, waitressing and then doing unpaid internships. And when when I finished the postgrad, I said to my now fiance Cahal, I said, you know, will we go to New York for a year and see what it's like and just, you know, have the experience of it. And it all started there. I think we intended to be here for maybe a year, maybe two years. And now I think it's going to be seven in May, which is just bonkers. Oh my God. So bonkers. I'm the same as you. I'm nearly seven in July. I think I'm seven years. And just looking back, it feels like two years. It's just the time here goes so fast before you've even realized it. you're here and you're like having to make 
like big girl decisions and you and I are just talking about our weddings like I can't believe that we're at this stage of life and like I still feel like we're students in a way you know we're all like still learning and everything so Michaela you've had such an impressive career so far and as I say we're going to get into that and you've worked predominantly in fashion and media and now social media and I was just wondering like growing up in Galway what were your sort of passions as like a young girl and and going into your teens were you always into fashion or were you sporty or what sort of way were you? Yeah I think I was I was very very sporty all throughout kind of primary school and into late secondary school I played camogie I played Gaelic and I also dabbled in doing some dancing and then a little bit of a tin whistle as well. Oh, no way. I (laughs) didn't know this. Yeah, I was fully into the hobbies, I think, growing up, but now not so much as an adult. Um, But I I always kind of, you know, had an interest in fashion, but never really like took myself seriously in that space. The one thing I did really always have an interest in is kind of, celebrity culture and internet culture, um, which I think I was largely influenced by my older sister in that respect. So I remember being like 15, 16 and really like checking in on what was happening on like this website called Perez Hilton, which I don't know if you're familiar with and it's not as cool now, but back in the day, it was kind of like the first online tabloid of, of sorts. And it was like, back in the day when like Britney Spears and Paris Hilton were having their crazy nights out and the paparazzi industry kind of began. I used to always really love like checking in on that every day just to see what was happening. So I think when you flash forward a couple of years later, when I obviously got my jobs working in media to begin with, I, it felt random kind of at the, at the time, because, you know, in college, my background was in biomedical science. But then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, this is actually what I've always been interested in, but just never really thought that it was like a career path. Mm, That's really interesting. And I think I heard that on another podcast. I had no idea when you were on um, Jordy Crawford's podcast and you said you did biomedical engineering. And I was like, I would never have guessed that, like, because I just assumed you did like media studies because you're a professional now in that area. But I think that's really inspiring for people that's often, especially in Ireland, that we're kind of um, we're kind of encouraged to like do an academic course in college and get something, do something that's going to open doors in like a solid sort of permanent job. So how did that How did graduating as a biomedical engineer turn into starting your own blog, Life of a Lady Bear? And also, where did the name Life of a Lady Bear come from? I'm interested to know. Oh my gosh. I I feel like Life of a Lady Bear is such a random name when I when for for people who might not know me, but ever since I was maybe 17, I just picked up this thing randomly of like calling my friends bear. So like my two best friends in the world are Sarah Bear and Jen Bear. I call my mom, mama bear and papa bear and Cahill is Cahill bear, which like <laughs> I'm nearly 30 and I realized that this is that's quite immature at this point. But when I was basically how life of a lady bear came to be was when I was back, I was doing my undergrad in, in the biomedical science and I, I was, I had done that basically because when I was 18 and as you said, you were kind of put in that pressure of like, picking a course that will give you a lifelong job and a chance of being successful. And 
all throughout my time in secondary school, I really wanted to do medicine and I didn't get the points in the leaving cert. So I said I would do biomed as a kind of a backdoor route into graduate medicine. But by the time I got to my final year of biomed, I was like, you know, I don't have it in me to go back and do another seven years starting from scratch. I said, let me just like not do this and see what other kind of lanes there are available. So when I was in my third year of biomed, I started this little blog where I used to just share like snippets of life, like outfits or cooking or like just lovely things I saw around Galway. And then eventually my summers in New York, I actually started my blog because I wanted to see if I could teach myself a little bit about like the digital marketing industry, because I thought maybe that would be an area I could go into after biomed, like do some sort of course to help me get there. So I started the blog so I could teach myself things about like SEO, things like um, photography, graphic design, and social media. Um, so I, when I started my blog, I also started a little Instagram account, but it was actually probably even before Instagram was a thing. I think I was definitely an early adapter to using Instagram. So that's how the blog started. And, you know, I... I'm so thankful for it over time because it's, you know, not only have I made great friends through having a, a blog and it's, it's not something I keep up as much anymore because unfortunately I think career has taken over a little bit, but um, it, it has stood to me kind of in the long run and, and just even being able to teach myself those like simple skills to even see if it was an industry I was interested in going into. Wow. That's so interesting. Like, it's just from hearing that little bit about your kind of upbringing and your, you know, the interest you had, you had such a well-rounded experience as a teenager and in your early twenties that it seems to be something that's like stood by you in your current, like, if you look back at the last few years of your life, like, it seems like you've never been afraid to take on a new opportunity or to test yourself. And I think that's probably a testament to the way that you were kind of you grew up and you tried all different things you were sporty you were musical mm -hmm. and you're academic and I think that gives a lot of hope for people who are confused especially like even since starting the podcast I have like younger girls at home who reach out to me and be like what do I do to get yeah. to do what you're doing in New York and I'm like oh my god there's no straight path like there's no. I just a lot of it is kind of like right place right time saying yes to opportunities a big one for me um like when I was in college in Belfast doing communications and public relations it was just a straight three-year course and it had no yeah. like placement year so my eldest brother Justin like encouraged me to take a year out and get a job or an internship or whatever yeah. and I got an internship in sponsorship and events for a bank and from there I learned that like the experience that you gain is so much more important than the things on your well a good uh, in my opinion a little more important than just your degree and stuff and can yeah. you speak to me a little bit about that because you're just like a shining example of that yeah like I feel I feel the exact same Sophie like when people ask me like oh how do I kind of have get myself a career path like you and I'm like I could never have predicted this is where I would end up. Honestly, it's just been one thing after another that has led me here, including like, you know, those early days interests that you mentioned. But I think one thing that's so important to say, like, you know, for those young people who are listening and who reach out to you and I, like, 
and I think you probably felt the same. Like I look back at my younger self and I just felt such immense pressure to like pick a career path and go for it. And the thing is, you don't have to pick a career path when you're 18. Like if you are 25 and you decide on doing something else, you can do it. If you're 40, if you're 50, like the world is your oyster nowadays to just be amenable, to do different things, learn new skills. And there's so many resources available. So I think that's the first thing I would kind of say to that. But I think also just kind of having an open mind as to like the opportunities that could potentially be available to you at any given time is really important to to not just have like this one path that you think you have to go down and just be open to other potential things like even in terms of you know social media and the industry i work in like there could potentially be an app that is being invented today that we don't know anything about but in five years time there could be social media managers being hired specifically for that app mm. and especially in such a digital world like there's new things coming out all the time and new industries popping up so something might not even be out there yet that you could end up working in down the line yeah I agree so much with that and I think because you're front and center of trends because you work in as a social media lead for Instagram that and I can't really explain what I mean by this, but, you know, I feel like there's such a space now for creative people that maybe we weren't aware of before. Like, as you say, there's, you know, even like young entrepreneurs and that term entrepreneur means makes you think, oh, I have to have a whole big plan. But creativity is something that as Irish people, I think is really nurtured in us. And Mm -hmm. it's something I go back to all the time. And it's not something that we think and it's funny because we're from like this land of literature and scholars and poets and often we maybe don't think that what we the qualities we have will sort of translate into a job but that's so interesting now that you think you know that there is space for that and you as I say are on the sort of front of that at Instagram yeah a hundred percent like even creativity is so important I think in so many different industries but especially I think working in like a marketing field like I am now or in an editorial field like I was in previous jobs at, at, at Condé Nast and MTV, like just being able to look at things and think outside the box is so like an undervalued skill. And it's not something that everyone has, honestly. And I do think you're so right there that as Irish people, it is cultivated in us as we grow up. And I think that offers us a unique perspective on things as we are in the career for the the workforce with so many people from other different regions and countries, especially here in New York being such a global city. Um, So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Oh, that's yeah. And I'm only learning that more that I've, you know, done the podcast and speak to people like basically everyone I've had on the podcast have has done something different than what they ever thought they were going to do and often the challenges and the failures and the like it's just it's just the self-belief I think that you have to believe in yourself and in your abilities and kind of map out 
you know, what you are passionate about, you know, and it doesn't have to be what you think you're really good at. It's what you're passionate about. And I think if the last year has taught us anything, it's really to kind of follow that like urge and not just, but I also understand, like, it's kind of okay saying that now from our perspective where we're employed and, you know, we've had experience, but let's talk a little bit about your initial arrival to New York and your extremely like amazing career to date um so can you give us a little summary of how things started and and where you are where you're at now yeah so I think like everyone you know and you're similar to me um you know moving over in your early 20s and to an area where or a country where you really don't have any connections or like you know a network as such I moved over here and I really wasn't, I had no idea what kind of industry I would end up in. I had just done a postgrad in business in NUIG. So I thought maybe I'd find a job in marketing or advertising or something of that nature. But when I came here, I, like everyone, I think a lot of people do when you're that age, you have very little money. So I started waitressing and honestly I actually if anyone was to move over here in their early 20s that's always one of the things I say to them is like get yourself a a a part-time job that gives you money coming in because when I look back at that time it actually gave me a little bit of freedom to not be picky but be a little bit selective as to like the roles that I wanted to pursue um not that I thought I would get any anywhere like I did what my, my first job ended up being at MTV being a, a social manager there and running their Instagram account predominantly and like I remember a recruiter found my resume online that's how I got that job and when they called me and it was probably after eight weeks nine weeks of a job hunt honestly and I was I just heard the word MTV I was like okay, like whatever it is you want me to do, like I'll wash floors, I'll be the janitor, (laughs) just open, you know, to anything. And it ended up being a great experience. And like, I didn't even know, honestly, that jobs and social media existed up until that point. Like that was kind of moving here was my first introduction to that. Um, So I worked there for, I would say maybe eight months or so, Um, It was kind of a short-term thing, but it was great experience. I got to work at the VMAs, um, movie awards, and like all of these wonderful events and and also getting to work directly with some amazing talent, which was, you know, awesome. And then after MTV, um, I got my next role, which was at Teen Vogue, um, which was another brand I just grew up really admiring and even when I go home now, I still have all my teen books that I read growing <laughs> up in my bedside locker. So that, that this was another similar role working in social, being mainly responsible for their Instagram account. And um, I learned so much in that job, just like not even from a, a perspective of like working in social, just about life in general. Like I worked with some of the most incredibly thoughtful and talented editors who taught me just so much about life itself um but then also just learned so much about like working in corporate America and I think it was my first introduction to like working in an industry that really just does not sleep um and like I think a lot of companies here in the states or especially in New York can be like you you give every inch of yourself to your job and your job is your life and that was definitely kind of my experience I think 
at Teen Vogue in, in particular and working in social, it's just kind of never really being off just in case some sort of news broke. But overall, like an incredible experience. And then um, while I was at Condé, um, the very lovely Sam Barry got her job as editor in chief of Glamour. And I was just so excited to even have another Irish girl in the building, let alone <laughs> like the, the same kind of umbrella of companies. Um, and so a couple of, I think I was probably maybe two and a half years into my time at Team Vogue. Um, I met Sam at the Christmas party and she had just um, had an opening for a social lead on her team. And so I interviewed for that and worked with her and the wonderful team at Glamour for, I think it was only four months. Okay, so it wasn't the longest time. Um, and I, I, the only reason that was is because at that time, then I got recruited for my current role at Instagram. Um, so unfortunately, my time at Glamour was short lived, but like really a wonderful experience as well and an equally incredible team. Um, but kind of when the opportunity came up at Instagram, I think working at Instagram or some sort of tech company, I think nowadays has become a little bit of an end goal for a lot of people working in media, honestly working in media is like kind of a tough slog. I think a lot of people would tell you that it's, you know, long hours, as I said, the pay might not be the greatest. Um, but on the flip side, you know, the things you get to do, like kind of make up like for that, like going to fashion week and all of these fun events. Um, but when the job kind of came up at Instagram, it was, it was kind of a, a turning point, I think for me, in my career, but also in life, I think, because I think I was maybe 28 at that point. And I was kind of getting to the point where I had just got engaged. And as we, we were saying before we hopped on the phone, like you're starting to think a bit of longer lead in life and thinking about like maybe saving for a house or saving mm -hmm. for a wedding. And, you know, finances were top of mind for me at that time. And there wasn't going to be an opportunity working in media for me to kind of equate to, to what you can achieve in a tech salary mm -hmm. um, and a tech company in terms of like, you know, career progression and um, just really getting into a company that hones you early on in your career and helps you develop the skills to, to grow in, in, in the time there. So um, felt very lucky to kind of get my foot in the door there too. Oh my God, Michaela. It's, uh, there's so much to unpack from that short summary. I also just feel like I rambled. No, I just didn't. rambled for no. 10 minutes. You <laughs> answered the question perfectly. I wanted your whole journey and you did it in such a short space. So well done. And also I just, something I personally really admire about you is how down to earth you are and how much you sort of you know, not downplay your experience, but you really put a lot of it down to, you know, good fortune and, you know, yeah. and, and I understand as well, though, because of how successful you are, that you are aware of your abilities. And I think it's really important that you've stated that, you know, you had to put your financial needs at the top of your kind of, you know, list, because yeah. often it's a bit awkward to talk about that and people like Samantha yeah. Barry is mm -hmm. amazing at that you know you know with she does like a podcast about money and about yeah yeah conscious of that but I just think and I just want to like say a little bit about the first time I ever met you which was a couple of years ago 
we have a mutual friend, Don O'Neill, who was on the podcast yes, with me last, last season. And yeah, we were doing a, um, I had to go to his studio anyway, and it was the day of the Met Gala or maybe the day before. And I saw you there, you were getting fitted for a dress to go to the Met Gala and I had never met you, I'd heard of you, but I was just like, do you know when you meet someone and you're like, oh my God, like she's amazing. At that point, I was like, she's gonna be like a superstar. Like I can see her on Vogue, you know, the Vogue thing where they like do your house, like they come in and you're like, (laughs) I'm like, I can see her in an Upper East Side mansion being like, come on in Vogue. Like, but you wear it, you just, you never ever like give off that. Sort of, I guess what I'm trying to say is whenever I assume the type of people who work in social media and if I look at your resume, I must, I would be like, oh my God, like this girl is just so qualified, but you, you so have that sort of Irish kind of quality of like, you know, keeping your head on your shoulders, which I just think is so amazing. And also what I, I'm on a ramble now, but what I also wanted to touch on in what you were saying, you learned in your early days about, you know, corporate America and something that since, you know, the last few years that I've really admired about what you put out online is you have a very strong interest in sort of current affairs and, you know, Mm. social justice. And is that something that developed for you in working in media or is that something that you've always been interested in? So I'll be perfectly honest, Sophie, when I was growing up in Ireland, like I was oblivious to all of this stuff going on in the world. And in fairness, I know it was different times, but things like racism, like civil rights, like things of this nature were like not even on my radar. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I kind of meant when I said during my time at Teen Vogue, I just learned so much about life. That's what I mean. I learned so much about like, for instance, let me just say, so In my time at Team Vogue, it was kind of at the start of a political uprising. Donald Trump had just been elected. Um, You know, there was so much happening in early days of the Black Lives Matter movement, like way before this past June. And this is going to give you an example, and it's actually kind of embarrassing to share, but I will share it anyways. There was a Black Lives Matter march happening. I'm not sure. I think it could have been in Atlanta. Like this was four years ago. And my boss was like, okay, Michaela, like we should get something up on Teen Vogue's Instagram about this to like, just help raise awareness. And I was like, okay, great. Mm -hmm. So I went on Getty, which is like this photo database, like where we would often pull images from. And I picked an image of two white, skinny, blonde girls (laughs) walking along with a Black Lives Matter poster. And I was like, right now, this is perfect. Didn't freaking think anything of it. And... I, my boss scolded me. He was like, are you completely oblivious? Like in what world would you think this would work? (laughs) And that's what I mean when I say in Teen Vogue, like I learned just so much about being more considerate of what people that don't look like me experience every single day. And like that don't have the same opportunities and privileges that I have, like as a, as a white woman in this country. And that. I'm honestly like, that's the best thing I could have ever taken from my time at at Teen Vogue because it has stood to me like in every opportunity, but also just in life. Like I think I, I, as a person who has a very small platform on social media, like I feel a responsibility to like 
not in inject my voice, but like amplify other voices and causes that I think are important. And I think anyone who really has any sort of a presence online, it's really their responsibility too. And I know a lot of like influencers or bloggers over here in the States in particular that really shy away from doing that because they worry that they might lose followers or they might lose branded content deals. And I've just always been like, well, I'd rather lose that than be just acting like I'm oblivious and this isn't happening in the world. So I think I think nowadays people are definitely becoming more conscious of, of what's going on. Um, I think specifically with, with race and especially here in the States, like I think, you know, we did experience the racial justice movement back in June and Duke and I participated in, in, in all of the Black Lives Matter protests on the Upper East Side. And, and now in the past few months, you know, we've seen this incredible surge in violence against Asian Americans, particularly elderly Asian Americans. And like, that just breaks my heart as a person. You know, I just, I feel awful to read these stories. And I'm like, okay, well, is there anything I can do as a person? Like, you know, who can I donate to? Who can I, whose resources can I share on my Insta story so that maybe somebody who doesn't know this is going on can learn a little bit more? Oh my God, Michaela, you answered that question so eloquently. And I think that you absolutely deliver on what you're talking about there, using your platform to share information, really, which is what is a very kind of hot topic at the minute. It's like, you know, information, misinformation and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is important for people who have a platform not to shy away because it actually angers me when I see people with a following, like ignorance is not ignorance is bliss for some people and and I I definitely was the same as you when I moved here I even was because I work predominantly in the Irish American sort of world I was even ashamed of my knowledge of Irish history and the contribution of the Irish to America and and I think that that is such an important sort of thing that I've definitely learned in the last few years and especially from people like you is to be open to be open-minded and be open to learn and research and not just assume what you're reading is true or assume what yeah. a certain group of people think is true. And yeah. I admire so much that you use your platform for that. And yeah, I just think there's so much we could sort of talk about in terms of cultural shifts and oh also goodness. and also as Irish people and our kind of sort of sheltered upbringing in a way in yes. a very small island and then coming here yeah. to the US and there's so many people who are flying the flag for us including yourself Maeve Higgins Sam Barry and for anybody who is trying to kind of I think it's important when you come and live in a city as diverse as New York um yeah you get a feel for the kind of temperature and the things that are important social issues and not it doesn't mean you have to be reading the newspaper every day it's just kind of and Michaela's page is just really good for keeping up to date on them things so amazing answer there um so in terms of the world of media media journalism social media what qualifications Michaela or qualities do you value as important for people if they're trying to break into this world or they're trying to um, sort of progress in this world and that can be qualifications both like a course they can do or else Mm -hmm. qualities of sort of person yeah so it, it actually reminds me of something I meant to say in one of the previous answers is like you know this need when you're in college age trying to decide what to do when you grow up 
the thing about social media is like there weren't any courses in social media when I was trying to do what I was doing in college. I actually don't even know if I think there are some social media courses now. I'm honestly not an expert in it. But the one thing I would say is like even now as a manager, like hiring and building out a team, it's actually the last thing I look at in terms of like what somebody studied in college. I always try and look at one, I think it's important to try and have your own presence on social media um, as, as somebody who wants to work in there. So for instance, I think having a presence on Instagram or Twitter is also really important to show that you're able to like add commentary, especially, especially on like current affairs. Um, and also nowadays, TikTok is also really important. So understanding and knowing what's going on in the landscape there is, is will stand to you. Mm -hmm. And I think outside of that, like really showing you have knowledge about what is happening in these spaces and and the trends going on on each platform and where the platforms are heading. Um, I think having that baseline of understanding before any experience is really important. And then after that, I think trying to get as much experience in social media as you can is really important. And I always say, you know, it doesn't need to be with a huge company, but for instance, one of the, one, one of the examples I always provide is like when I spent a summer over here, um, I was doing an unpaid marketing internship and then waitressing, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But in my marketing internship, I actually picked up like a freelance social media client, which was this alcohol infused ice cream called Buzz Bar. <laughs> and I ran their social media from Ireland. They were obviously a company based in New York. And I think they maybe paid me like $150 a month or something like something small like that. But that actually gave me an opportunity to learn about things like paid social. So like running ads on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And it was kind of a great way to dip my toe in the water of trying to teach myself these things. So another piece of advice I'd always give is like, you know, if you don't have access or you're in college to like work at, you know, a huge company or a well-known company, you know, why don't you start local and just chat with somebody, you know, a local boutique or a store and say, look, do you need help with your social media? I, I feel like I have some great ideas on how you can up level to convert to sales or build brand awareness and would love to work with you. Um, so I think that's always a good place to start. Mm, that's really, really good. That's yeah, I think I agree. I totally agree with that. But it's, it's good to hear you say it as such a sort of in your prestigious position at Instagram. Um, and can you tell us, Michaela, a little bit like about what it is actually like to work for Instagram? I know you only had a short lived period in the actual office before the pandemic hit. Um, but what is it like day to day for you working for, for Instagram? Yeah, so at Instagram, I sit on the creator marketing team and I run an Instagram account called at creators. And so the whole um, purpose of this channel is really to scale education to creators around the world so that they learn what are the best practices for Instagram, what are the latest product launches happening, and also what are success stories for other creators that they can learn from as well. Um, so in my typical day-to-day, -day, there is a lot of meetings 
Um, I work cross-functionally with a lot of different teams, like partnerships, product comms, and just making sure that I have an understanding of what's going on in the business so that we can bring it on to the account is, is important. So a lot of meetings, um, we have a lot of creative brainstorms, which is, which is always fun, but mainly my day to day, honestly, is just a lot of meetings, especially working from home. I think everyone's calendars has filled up with zooms all of the sudden. <laughs> yeah. And how do you deal with that, Michaela? Like, how do you, I guess, I think it must be quite exhausting to have to be so creative all the time. And, um, and I just, you know, you're obviously in these kind of high stake meetings quite often. How do you kind of, and not having an office, I was just talking to my sister about this, like the stimulation of an office is a mm. real booster for your kind of ability to, to socialize and to be creative. How do you kind of, do you just drink a load of coffee or how do you manage that? So that's a funny thing about me, Sophie, is I actually don't drink coffee or tea. So oh I have zero, zero caffeine in my system at any given moment, which is much to my detriment. But yeah, like, honestly, it is quite exhausting. I think it's quite draining for a lot of people who have been now working from home for, you know, over a year and have been missing and lacking those in-person conversations or what we refer to at work as a lot as like the water cooler conversations of someone you just bump into in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, on my team, we, we try and just have daily touch bases where if, if it's even just for 15 minutes, like to just pop on in the morning and not talk about work, but maybe talk about like, you know, a restaurant you got takeout from last night or a show you're watching on Netflix, like things like that kind of help, I think, like foster the, the team bonding. I think that's important when you're all working from home, but it's honestly working from home has been such a strange thing for me because in a way, I feel like I'm working harder than I ever have before. And I definitely feel more drained. I think at the end of the week, I feel more depleted because I feel like I've just been talking at a computer all week. But on the flip side, I actually have really adapted to working from home and like really love my routine and having that bit more extra time in the morning specifically to, you know, not be waking up at seven to like rush out and get on the subway and just having more time to like, you know, go for a walk in the morning or do a class or something like that. I appreciate. So it's almost hard for me now to even imagine going back to like a five day office life. And I think for a lot of people, it will be an adjustment as you know, things do open up to get back to that point. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And hopefully we'll, everyone will just have patience with each other during yeah. that time. Absolutely. And you seem to have really good rituals, Michaela, you know, like you're always in the park, you're always, you know, you exercise and you, you like to, I can like, not that I creep, but like you nice, you like to take your weekends off and, and mm -hmm. just sort of sign out, which I'm sure is, has its difficulties, but you need to recharge the batteries. And that's something I always kind of touch on in the podcasts is that like, for a long time, when I worked in events um I was just flat out all the time it was really fun and it was you know great job yeah. and everything but I, there's such a burnout there's such a burnout that yeah. comes with it and then the lifestyle can become challenging and then your own ability and your creativity can kind of suffer so yeah. I think I really admire how you kind of have those rituals and I was also wondering as an employee for like a big corporate America company do you see um 
work going back to that like five days a week kind of or or do you think there'll be a bit of a like hybrid sort of situation yeah so it's hard to know honestly with with instagram they have offered people the opportunity to apply for remote work um full-time i think was something a lot of the bigger tech companies like google and linkedin have also done i think they're still trying to figure out what a kind of combination work style looks like i think there is still a lot of figuring out to be done on that end. I do think, I think people can't ever go back, honestly. I don't know to the full, you know, 40 plus hour, what, well, I, I don't really think a lot of people in New York work just 40 hours, but like, <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, that'd be nice. But um, I, you know, even a lot of my coworkers, I have moved, you know, they've moved to back maybe where they grew up back to their hometowns or outside of the city. And it's it'll be interesting to see what everyone does, you know, if there is a mandated, like everyone should be back in the office five days a week. I do think there will be some sort of flexibility in some aspect. I just think it's kind of early days that they they are still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, I totally hear you. Um, and so Michaela, we'll get into the New York specific questions. Um, You've answered so many, really, really fully answered the questions I had about career. So thank you so much. Um, so what do you love and not love about living in New York? So the thing I love about New York is in normal times that just anything can really happen. Like you could walking down the street. And I think the best example of this is like one time I was walking home from work through Central Park because I love the park. It's like one of my favorite things about New York. And I stumbled upon this huge event in the middle of the park, um, which turned out to be Ralph Lauren's, I think maybe a 50 year anniversary. I think that's what the occasion was. And it was honestly like being at the Oscars because every single celebrity pulled up and I, I literally just said, okay, I'm just going to stand here for two hours and watch this. And like, that's something that could only ever happen in New York. I think, you know, just all of the incredible things are at, at the tip of your fingers. And I think the other thing as well is in Manhattan, everything is so close to you, you know, like even for me, on the Upper East Side, like being able to walk to the Met or being able to walk um, down to Columbus Circle where there's like a, a shopping mall and all of these things are very close to me. And I think compared to life back in Ireland where, you know, you'd have to get in a car and drive mm. for 20 minutes somewhere to get to even a small shop. And mm. um, that's also something I, I love about New York and I think would miss about New York if I wasn't here. And then did you ask about what I don't like? Yeah, what do you dislike? Yeah. I think honestly, the thing I dislike the most, and I, this could be a thing back in Ireland and other countries too, but I just don't have the experience there. But I do think this hustle and grind mentality is very much associated with New York. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think over the past year of the pandemic, I've really realized that, that I actually don't want to live my entire life feeling the need to just be bleeding myself dry for work every single day of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is kind of a New York thing like this, you know, if you can make it here, you make it anywhere type of vibe that that encourages everyone to just work their butts off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is a good thing in ways, but I think in the long term, I think that would get exhausting. 
Mm, absolutely and I'm a big advocate for kind of getting away and going you know on mini breaks where possible I probably do that more often than most but (laughs) but you need to recharge the batteries um and in that on that same sort of topic you know I'm aware of how much you love Ireland and like same here but I I wonder like what your thoughts are and and I hate when people even say this to me because I don't know but you know seeing yourself like as I say I see you living in a gorge townhouse on the Upper East Side with (laughs) loads of dogs and you know it would just be like I could just see you there but I also see you in Galway and you love all of that even the kind of aesthetic of where you're from it just seems to really like be outdoors and rural and it's kind of a juxtaposition as to the way that your life is now you're with these Mm -hmm. work at the most prestigious glamorous events you have like the Met Gala and everything Mm -hmm. do you feel like you are kind of the scale is tipping one way or the other or are you still unsure about where you'd rather settle you know it's honestly it's just such a hard question because I think when I moved to New York I was like dead set I was like look I want to only be here a year I only want to be here two years and I actually I remember specifically thinking to myself, I want to get out of New York before it's even a question of where I would settle. And honestly, even back at that that time, like I remember, so I moved here with Cahill, my fiance, and he definitely adapted a lot quicker to life in New York. And I think he even back then kind of said, okay, I can see myself here for kind of the long term, like maybe 10, 15 years type of thing. Whereas I was like, absolutely not like, no like you're crazy and it actually got to the point when in our like second or third year here like we actually had to have a serious conversation because he was like Michaela like if you want to go home we should just figure that out like because maybe if you're so dead set on going home I'm not dead set on going home like do we want different things and because it honestly got to the point Sophie where Cahill wanted to buy a tv one time and I was like we don't need a TV. We'll be going back to Ireland in a year. You know what I mean? Like, why would we waste money on a TV? And we had that conversation and that was a turning point for me where I was just like, okay, realistically, what is back in Ireland for me right now at this point in my life? Like I've really worked hard for my career here. Like I, I have friends here. I have, you know, obviously a relationship here and that was a turning point for me to just kind of accept where I am for this given time. I'm, I'm like you as well in, in the fact of, well, maybe more so than you, but like, I do feel it deep down. Sometimes I worry and I get anxious, like, okay, but like, where are we going to settle? Like, are we going to move home? Like, are we going to stay here? Like, if we stay here, what will that look like? Will we stay in New York or the city? And I honestly, I don't know where we'll end up. I, I do I do know that the main reason I would like to go home is obviously Ireland is a beautiful country but predominantly it would be for to be close with my mom and dad and my sister like I'm so close with my family like I FaceTime each of them twice a day like we're just still very connected even though I'm so far away Um, but it's also at the flip side of that I can't imagine actually getting to a point where I'm like okay I'm leaving New York now forever mm-hmm. like that I think would break my heart to just think that I'm not going to ever be here again so I think the ideal scenario would be 
for us to win the lottery and for us to buy a house in Galway and somewhere in New York and just be able to fly back and forth on a plane all the time. <laughs> oh my God, Michaela, from your lips to God's ears, because that is what I hope for Brian and I too. I'm like, <laughs> actually, where I what I would do is Ireland, New York and Florida and just have like a little three, a three, three place yes. kind of like triangle. But I think that your story is so inspiring in that sort of respect that it is like all the things we love about Ireland there isn't the same opportunity for growth. And I'm not saying that being wealthy is what will make us happy. I mean, being successful is, is, and and that's where I believe that like we, but I always say this as well to Brian, I think there is going to be a day where, where you wake up, maybe you're married, maybe there's kids coming or, and you say, you know what, it's time to go maybe temporarily. And I, a friend of mine is moving home soon. and, And the thing I always say is like, New York is always going to be here. It's always, and Ireland's always going to be there. And, and, and I honestly think we are lucky because it's a relatively short flight. Both you, you know, you regularly go home and mm-hmm. I think there is maybe an ability to be both a Galway girl and a gossip girl in Manhattan. Like, I think you can do, <laughs> I think you could do both when you're like getting your Vogue sort of shoots in your mansion on the Upper East Side. But also, Michaela, just back to one thing I just thought of that I wanted to ask you about working in social media. And again, what I think is really inspiring about your own profile and your own sort of um, platform is that you're really genuinely yourself. And I guess what I sometimes associate social media with is comparison. And I always do compare myself to people and I comparison is a thief of joy. And often I think people might look at my profile and think, oh, she's doing really well. And then really on the other side, I'm scrambling, doing five different jobs, you know, I don't have all my ducks in a row at all. And I, I just wonder how you kind of cope with that, both, you know, as a as an individual on Instagram and also being so aware, I guess, of the trends on social media and what advice you might give to people who are struggling with that. Yeah, I think we all are guilty of that comparison game. And like the fact of the matter is whoever you are, there will always be somebody who has a better closet than you, travels the world more than you, or like, you know, whatever you look at and aspire to be, there will always be somebody who does it better or has more of it. And I think it's definitely something I've fallen trapped to for so many different reasons. And the one thing that I feel really special about social media and like kind of always force myself to do is to kind of be ruthless with the content that I consume. Like if if I'm following somebody and they're repeatedly making me question something about myself or somebody who repeated to please please don't embarrass me on the podcast. <laughs> if I'm if I'm following somebody who continuously makes me feel bad, I will unfollow them or mute them. Like, I think it's all on our own responsibility to like make sure that the content we consume and the people we follow bring us joy and make us feel happy. And I think that's on our on us as well to, to make sure we enforce that. Absolutely, I agree so much with that. And I think the mute option on Instagram is a really good one because sometimes I don't want to think the person thinks I don't love them or like them or, but I'm just like, that's not where my head needs to be right now. I need to like, you can just mute in case anyone doesn't know, you can just mute them and it doesn't come up on your newsfeed all the time. Um, And also I do think I, obviously in your line of work, you can't really take social media breaks, but I say this like I do it often, I really don't, but 
for I've done it before where from Monday to Friday I delete all apps like that because sometimes I can see myself being like oh like how many likes did that get and then I'm like no like I don't want to be that way and it's I'm trying to think of the Netflix documentary on social media oh yes yeah the social dilemma exactly and it's like we have to be really aware I think as consumers that you know people you know I was having a conversation with my friend the other day about Costco which is like Mm -hmm. a big chain grocery store over here where you buy bulk items it's amazing but I rarely ever go I think it's great for like families and stuff but and next thing an an ad popped up on Instagram for Costco and I was like no like hi is that possible so I, I guess we just have to be so careful about being too too on and and then when when I get this green time notification I'm like oh dear god like if I had done productive things during that time I would be (laughs) on my way to making the millions that we're gonna make Michaela (laughs) I know I know well that's the thing I think it's so easy to just get sucked in and time goes by so quickly and it is I in a way I'm so glad that I grew up in a time where social media wasn't you know a huge thing and a huge distraction and I often feel for nowadays, like people and who are growing up and it's it's a hard thing to deal with. And I think it's just something we all have to be careful about. I think as well, especially for mental health and burnout as well. And like, we're always, always on devices. Like you walk down the street, everyone's on their phone. And I just, I kind of feel like I don't want to live my life like that. So I try and force myself to put in some sort of restrictions like you do, you know, like sometimes I try and take Saturdays where I just don't pick up my phone if I can. And I think doing little things like that will help us in the long run, I think. And so Michaela, to round off the podcast, and you've already given loads of really good tips, but are there any specific, any additional tips that you would like to offer for people who are trying to navigate their work and their career in New York and maybe aren't in the dream job that they might wish they were at the moment yes so sorry if my dog barks again I think the the number one thing I would say is have an open mind in terms of what the opportunities out there are I think networking is something that's really important in New York as well in terms of putting yourself out there to meet people and honestly like being really upfront with what you want in life I think as Irish people we can tend to often be like oh you know whatever comes along like we're, we're, we'll be happy with but I think one thing I've learned in in New York it's like it's great to be direct is like this is the path I want to go on if you hear of any opportunities that kind of might help me get there like let me know and just putting it out there into the universe and and hopefully you know it'll it'll stay in somebody's mind and they might be able to refer you for an opportunity or give you guidance to to kind of how to get there I think those are my two tips oh they're such good tips Michaela and I just it just came to my mind I remember one time chatting to you about a work problem I was having where I wasn't didn't feel I was being valued for my role and you know I was kind of like oh like I don't know what to do and you were like have the effing conversation with your boss and tell this 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 and this and I came away from being with you being like oh my god like I'm gonna do this and it's often like as you say it can sort of be programmed within us to be like oh yeah like what I'm doing is cool and I have this opportunity and I will say like I don't want to encourage people who are starting off here to be really really like I deserve this because we do have to slog unfortunately it's something we have to do you have to get the years in 
and the months and the experience. But when you do feel like your resume is in good shape and you might have another option, I think having those uh, those conversations and you're like a shining example of that. And I really love that you encouraged me that time to do that. So Michaela, I think we'll wrap it up there. You've been such an amazing guest. I'm so glad to finally have had you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sophie. Honestly, I feel like we could go on all day and just talk about so many different topics. I know. Um, But I love this podcast. I think what you've, the idea you've had of like amplifying people's experiences. And I also really love that you're featuring people from so many different industries. I think that opens it up to any person who might consider coming here for for an opportunity. Um, So thank you so much for having me. I feel so special and I can't wait to listen to the rest of the season. Oh, thank you.